Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of Wednesday Night Live, uh, originating from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. Uh, my name is Ron Crawford, and uh, it's a privilege to be able to greet my congregation here in Dallas, but also to say hello and welcome to all of our Saints Network family who are joining with us for a study in the Word. I want to make just a bit of, a, of, an, of an announcement um, regarding prayer that will be offered here this week. Uh, don't forget that this coming Saturday is uh, First Saturday. A directive was sent out to our Saints Network yesterday, and we are looking forward to being able to pray together, um, particularly in regard to our country. But on, uh, on a, a bigger scale, that we would know what God would have us to do uh, in, in response to his calling in our lives at this time in the midst of unprecedented things that are occurring throughout the world. Now, adjacent to that is um, prayer time tonight for our congregation. You're welcome to join with us if, if you want. It's not going to be Zoomed. I underscore it is not going to be Zoomed. But we're going to gather together and pray at 6 o'clock and we're going to submit ourselves to the Lord on this last Wednesday night of uh, June for uh, an impartation of insight and capacity for insight in His Spirit on behalf of the days to come. And so we remind our congregation tonight, 6 o'clock, and at the end of the time, we're planning to do an activation out in the back parking lot. This just came about in the past 20 minutes, and it is it's a warfare activation. And you'll understand more what that's about when you come tonight. So let's believe God for a great uh, sequence of prayer. It's always wonderful to be able to join together with brothers and sisters and our Saints Network family uh, before the throne of God. And uh, we're looking forward to sharing that time together with so many of you. We'd like to direct our attention to a passage in Scripture that is well known. It's uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 19. This is another one of those opportunities for us to study the Word on an individual basis. I don't have a teaching sheet. I have nothing against those. I've made a career of putting those forward and we, our congregation, our teachers here do it as well. But I just feel so often that we need to talk about the scripture and then put you onto a pathway of studying it for yourself, not just with a sheet in front of you, but learning how to press in to the word of God for yourself with the tools that are readily available to you. So we'll do some of that here today. So let's read Ephesians 1, verse 15. It says, Wherefore, 
I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus <clears throat> and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Prosuke, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And we'll just keep reading. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. We'll just finish it. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, with the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Wow, there are so many glorious uh, progressions of statement here in this passage. Paul talks about faith and the love unto all the saints. He talks about him making mention of them in uh, prosuke, stemming off of his supplication for them. Um, we find that uh, and what we're going to look at in, in particular verses 17 and 18 but let's skip on down to um, this progression of power in in uh, in verse 19 uh, you have greatness which is a part of megos you have power which is a, a dunamis expression you have working which is not really one of the power words it's an energy but then you have mighty iskris and you have power which is kratos the power of the throne the only one missing there out of the big five is exousia but that is what we ask for here we're asking for god to give a, a, an enhanced measure of perception so that we can glean what he wants us to do through the spirit of wisdom and revelation and in the midst of that release from him and our understanding that is the commissioning of authority does that make sense and then verse 21 he talks about principalities powers might dominion every name that is named he gives one of his classic description of the uh, the power structure of the enemy but also how the enemy tries to has tried to emulate the power structure of the Lord so this is a a fantastic a fantastic passage of scripture but what we need to focus on today is first of all that we're at a point of breakthrough and the father has ordained this uh, in verse 17, particularly when it speaks about this kind of a moment, the Father is the Father of glory, 
which is our shared measure of partnership with him in doing something fresh and new according to his eternal purpose and, and plan. But he's also the spirit of wisdom and revelation uh, as we learn of and about and through him. Wisdom in the scripture, as we have studied a great deal, is one of the seven spirits of God, wisdom and revelation, wisdom and understanding. And we understand that when wisdom is spoken of, it is for the purpose of partnering with God to take his light, not only into the darkness, but through the darkness, so that we might establish his dominion, his kingdom, in places that, to that point, had been under the control of the enemy. So this is really where we are. But what our focus on, no pun intended, is verse 18 that speaks about the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. And this is going to help us to know the hope of our calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And we studied from Psalm 2 this past Sunday about how our inheritance is, is, uh, is in conjunction with our going forth to the othermost parts of the earth. Um, and this is God's plan and pattern. But what particularly now, all that is a backdrop. And you can look at We've written, we've taught on this. You can study all these different capacities that I've just enunciated. Uh, and you can have a wonderful time of Bible study looking at these and considering these through the Word. I encourage you to do that. But what does it mean for the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened? Particularly, understanding now I think this is a this is going to be a fun fun thing because if you if you look at what the Bible says about the mind most of that is has to do with noose in the Greek New Testament or noema which is a thought process uh, I know that we need to guard over our minds. We need to fill our minds with the word and we need to submit our mind to uh, the things of the spirit. All of those things are topics that are part of our normal responsibility in growing in the Lord. But then you have, and also, is, noose is a very interesting study because when Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible says that he gave his disciples the ability to understand the scripture. Now, I believe that that was based upon his triumph at the cross and his resurrection, but also the things that they had walked with him, the things that he had prophesied, the things that uh, were fulfilling Old Testament uh, promises and it's a to do and to teach thing I, I, I know that for us God gives us an understanding 
it's a divine anointing. But part of what we've studied over the past couple of years is that phroneo, that is a supernatural understanding that guides our affections and our passions and and our pursuit of the knowing of the things of God, that comes through letting our spirit be developed and praying, friend. We've studied that. But this term for understanding is, it's in partnership with those other things, but it's different. And it's, it's something that we need. So you look at this word, dionuea, and it, it's a very interesting word in the Greek culture. Uh, it, 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 it's even used in, in our, uh, our language. And we don't maybe recognize that it is because dia noe um, in the in the ancient Greek world they would speak about this word at the heights of perception, but also at the at the far reaches of foolishness. They would often say that someone um, who in the in the carnal realm was a fool was noye and they would say that uh, the, those people are ones that chase butterflies or just get distracted and miss the point they're focused on something else and the the other factor of this is that Sometimes the foolish who did that would irritate, dare I say, aggravate people who were trying to discern. And here it comes. This is where we get our word, annoy or an annoyance. You know, some people are more sensitive to these kinds of things than than um, than others. I mean, if, if somebody's tapping their finger, that, that just drives some people nuts. And they'll say, would you stop that? It's so annoying. And what they're saying is, I can't concentrate on anything other than you doing that. Do you know anybody like that? Maybe you're that way. But in essence, what it means is, your attention, no matter how brilliant or how intelligent you are, no matter how dedicated you are to trying to uh, arrive at, at some kind of a, of, of a, a measure of, of understanding, you are just focused on this thing over here. And there's a lot of things that can be annoying, that can, can captivate your, your measure of understanding your measure of perception. But in a way, the annoying is a demonstration of the principle that is being spoken of here by Paul under the anointing of the Spirit. Um, so in essence, if the eyes of our understanding 
are being sharpened, brightened. What we're really asking God for is not noose. We're really not asking God for froneo. We're not even asking God for a noema. We're asking God for a dianoe, or through the midst of everything that we're facing, some kind of glimmer, some kind of thing that the Spirit would inspire or make or make uh, evident that we hone in on and it becomes the key point. Now this can be, as I said, fools were described in this way. As people can go off on things that have nothing to do with God. You've seen them, I have, dare, dare I say, we may have done this in our life. And there, there are sometimes that Christians just become, um, I don't want to just say fascinated, they become obsessed with something. And it either triggers them to go off, or it's the only thing they can think of. It becomes an annoye for them. And you've got to train yourself not to become foolish in your own predilections, in your own points of irritation, or even in your own points of fascination or, dare I say, lust. Um, do you ever have something that just gets in your head and it just becomes all you think about? That is a that can be a product of this term. And so what Paul is really asking for is that as God is giving us wisdom, he's giving us, the Father is presenting us to a partnership in the glory with our Lord. Uh, the Father is releasing a directive, an authority directive of wisdom and revelation for going forward. And uh, this... This heightened capacity of perception and focus causes us to participate in the hope of his calling and understand the riches of the glory of his inheritance for the saints. I, I, I don't want to get too restrictive with this, but I, I would say... I would suggest that perhaps as wonderful as the study of the Word of God is, and we need to do that, we need that to be hidden in our hearts, in itself, it doesn't provide this spiritual type of acumen. Hearing good message or following momentum is, is really not the sparkle of the Spirit that this type of perspective brings. This is like a, a rhema, but it's different than that. It's in conjunction with glory. It's from the Father. It's in conjunction with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's in conjunction with the hope of his calling and with the riches of the glory and the inheritance of the saints. This thing that Paul asks for is right 
crucially, it's like the igniter. It's like the detonator of all these other things. You can have the explosiveness of all these other things, and they are explosive. You can have the power words of of the spirit displayed. You can put it up against the structure of the enemy kingdom. But right in the middle of it is this dianoie that is in so much a spiritual capacity. Now you can think about when you judge prophecy. This is uh, diacrino. In some ways, this this principle is shown there where you're judging prophecy you have all these prophetic insights they're all wonderful but out of the midst of them apostolically you have to say this is the one we're going for out of the midst of all of these wonderful things this is the one that is the tip of the spear but this word is not that it's the same type of principle but in the midst of you being before the Father, the Father giving you a spirit, his one of, sharing his spirit of wisdom and revelation, his glory, you are, you are getting ready to move forth in hope. Uh, you, are, you are partaking in your inheritance as a saint, and you are, um, you're partic- you are participating in the riches of his glory. All of those things are laid there, but you need... This, I don't want to say an annoyance, you need the spiritual pinprick of saying, this is it. It's a spiritual capacity. And Paul is saying that that God would give this to us. Let's just look. You can do this for yourself. I'm just doing you a favor. I keep prodding this because I think some of you have maybe an aversion to studying the Word. I don't know who you are, but I feel that so much. Some of you have the capacity to study Word. You just don't do it. And I believe the Lord is saying, you know, we, we need to be in prayer, but we also need to be mindful of what he's revealed in the pneumaticos, but we need to be studying to show ourselves approved. There is no substitute for you studying the word on your own. As much as, you know, I could say, hey, you know, you've got a pastor wherever you are, or maybe you're also tied in with us, and there's so much meat that comes out of this place and your church and um, you you don't really need to study for yourself. We're doing it all here for you. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you should be aware. That's another thing that annoys. <laughs> I don't understand it with all the effort we've gone through to connect the saints and to make these teachings readily available. You can even listen to them in double time. There are so many folks that and they know a lot of other stuff, but they don't study, they don't stay a current with the meat that God has given. That's another point. So, okay, the first usage of this in Matthew 22, the Lord Jesus said, you'll love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. You know, um, you notice he uses the same thing in Mark, he uses the same word. 
He uses the same word in Luke. And, um, and why didn't the Lord say, with all your noose? Why didn't the Lord say, with all your phroneo? Because the heart of who we are, our heart, the steering wheel of our life, our emotions, our soul, which would include our thinking, and with all your mind, if you're really going to love the Lord, you have to believe for this dianoie to be in your life. Do you see that? So there it is, Matthew 22. I'm just looking on the same screen you can look at. Uh, Mark 12, 30. Luke 10, 27. Each of these, Jesus says, you love the Lord thy God with all, and then he includes this measure of dianoie. So this isn't some weird, strange thing. This is the Lord saying, you need this. Let's continue to look at some of these other places. Um, oh, I, I like this one particularly in Ephesians. He, he, speaks, um, he speaks about how this is used in um, the world, Ephesians 2, 3, the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Well, we see that in, in, in every city, including mine. <clears throat> With people, they're just looking for something to tick them off. Notice I said tick. And they, they just grasp at it. And the political, the, the thought police are everywhere. They have pet peeves, and they, they, are, they are alienated from God. In first chapter 4.18, their understanding, that's our word, is darkened. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is within them. And because of the blindness of their heart. Their past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Ooh, if that doesn't describe our world, the enemy is functioning in this right now. A God-given capacity that the demonic is using for wickedness. That Ephesians 4.18 really speaks of what's going on in our world. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul talks about how that we were sometimes alienated and enemies in our dianoie by wicked works, but now hath he reconciled us. Very interesting to see this dynamic of this powerful thing in the Lord. What about uh, Hebrews? Um, Hebrews 8.10, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them. Write them in their hearts. So God wants to do this among the house of Israel. Um, in fact, he says it again. He says it in 8.10 and 10.16. You can look for that. 
First Peter 1.13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, get, that, get this capacity strengthened. Maybe we'll talk about how to do that. But the loins of your mind, this is not noose, this is not noema, this is not phroneo, this is dianoeo. Be sober. Hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter uh, continues in 2 Peter. I've been hanging around Levi too long, my grandson. That's one of his new words. Um, we, the second epistle, beloved, I now, Second uh, Peter 3, 1, write to you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And then we look at this wonderful last issuance in 1 John uh, chapter 5. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding for the purpose that we may know Him that is true. We are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Stay at the right hand of the Father. An understanding... So, let's look at this. You have Jesus, you have Paul, you have Peter, you have John the Beloved. Some people say, well, why didn't John mention this in his gospel? Well, he's saying it here. All of these heavy hitters in the anointing of the Spirit who compiled the scriptures, they're all saying we need this sharpened capacity. So, tonight, we're going to be praying, and we would invite you to pray, whether it's tomorrow night or whenever, um, that God, as he's giving us a heightened partnership with wisdom and revelation in this time for breakthrough, that he would cause this capacity to be enlightened, and that we would have a greater utilization of this vital measure of perception. You have to gird up the loins, the musculature of this. You, How do we do that? Well, you know, the lazy ones in the world would either be influenced by darkness, we just studied this in the Word, or by foolishness, or by letting their rage carry them after some nonsense that is not really smart. Um, we can readily see this happening in our world. Paul said we were once that way. So I think the first thing is to recognize what this is, that it's a gift from God, a capacity that he wants to sharpen and to utilize, to, to pinpoint things in, in conjunction with his wisdom, with his inheritance, and with his glory that will captivate us, that we won't 
think, oh, that's a good understanding, yeah, but, you know, I just, uh, you know, I've got a lot of other things going on. You know, I have a life, too. You know, it's, it's funny because when we first started on this pathway, um, back in 96, there were so many things that we just surrendered because we were driven to pursue what God was releasing into us. And it became the passion of our life. It became the focus. Yeah, we, we, uh, we considered our responsibilities, but the drive was what God had put before us. He led us through that. And he's done it in many ways since then. But we need a sharpened, enhanced, dare I say, a promotion in this type of thing from our Father so that we would be quick and that our attentions would be captivated by the Spirit of God from our Father pertaining to the things that we need. Now, this is not going to drive you out of submission. You know, see, some people, they're, they're, they're flabby. Their loins aren't girded up. Uh, they, they, they really want to follow, and I feel sorry for some of these folks. You know, sometimes people who have an evangelistic capacity, they love this. But you can't have this every day and then then they become because because how how could you detonate something new every day that that's just nonsensical and so they're like a a hunting dog that really likes being out running ahead of the hunter but they don't really like being on the porch or in their pen they they want to be out with some action and I feel f- sorry for folks that don't, that have great gifts that don't know how to, they become manic depressive almost with the gift. But then there are others who just really want to follow. And we love those kinds of people. But they're all over the map. They, if God's not saying some dianoia to them every day, they're searching for it on the internet. You know? It's like God gives us a diet of following him, but they're searching for every snack out there. And they, they're equal opportunity sharers. They'll, they'll try to coerce other people into this new thing they found. But it may not be what God's wanting. You've got to gird up the loins. You gotta, if, you're, if you're easily annoyed, you've got you to be able to, to focus And I feel sorry for folks who have great skills and capacities, but the littlest thing can irritate them, and they're done. And I think, man, you've got to be able to keep your head while all around others are losing theirs. And you've got to be able to, how do you do that? Well, ask God. Gird up the loins of this dianoia, this, this area that you just struggle with. It can be done, or God wouldn't say He would. So you gotta you've got to discipline yourself and strengthen yourself. But for the most part, 
I think strengthening, if you want to get in shape, you eliminate things from your diet. If you want to get in shape, you, you, you aren't lazy. If you want to get in shape and gird up the loins, you, you exercise. You spend time doing things that you need to do. And, but this is all about Dianoeo, which the world uses in darkness, which fools use, which people that just can't keep their mind on something. Um, you know, there are intelligent, brilliant people who have to go to therapy, not, not in a bad way, to try to train themselves to, to channel their thought capacity. And they, they emerge having a handle on the great intelligence and skill set that they really have as a capacity. So here, we're told to gird up the loins of this. And one of the ways you do it is you, again, you eliminate junk food. You, you discipline what you put in your mind. And you, you curb your urges. You, you also um, must not be lazy. You know, this isn't a... New Year's resolution that you abandon after the July 3rd midnight, I mean J January 3rd midnight I mean you you have to stay on this and um, but then believe that God is giving you this measure now you got to be careful because with any kind of authority any kind of spiritual capacity you could go over into bitterness because you're burdened by something. It may or may not be a Dan, it may or may not be a Dia Noel. It might just be a peeve you have. And you go and tell the pastor, or you tell other people, and they say, oh, that's nice, you know, but they don't run up the flagpole with you. And then you say, see, they don't listen to me. I want to tell you this, this Dionoeo is not going to bring you at odds with your spiritually appointed leader. And God, God is not going to give more than one vision to the house. That's division. And we know where that leads. And as I wrote in the book, The Sears Catalog, so many times people who have Sears giftings, and I understand having those being in a place that doesn't believe in those, but then the, these folks that are very much gifted will either get a chip on their shoulder and then they get bitter and they, they become lone rangers for God or some rogue prophet or they, they give themselves over to the demonic realm. Don't do that. God's not going to give you this capacity so that you can be the pastor's leader. Remember one time my late father-in-law they were pastoring a church, I think it was in Arkansas, it may have been in Oklahoma, I forget the story, and that's really not germane to what I'm going to say. But there's a lady that came up to him after a service one time and said, you know, I feel like the Lord's saying that it's almost time for you to move. And my father-in-law said, well, 
are you packing up too? And she said, what? And he said, well, um, if I do move, how am I going to know what to do next if you're not there? Now, that was just typical Harold Madden. But the point, though, is that you, you're being given this so that you can be a viable component in the army of the Lord. And if you're in a place where you don't belong, you need to get out of there. I think you pretty much know whether God's called you to be in a place. And if he's called you to be in a place, be the best person you can be and don't be an irritant. Don't be known as somebody that just roams around and all you do is tell people why things are wrong and how they should be doing this or doing that. Now that's an irrit that's an annoyance. So maybe we could have called this how to receive Dionoeo without being annoying. <laughs> how to be a divine annoyance without being a, a foolish annoyance. But the point is, all that preaching and meddling aside, I know that we are coming to pray this week, asking God for a heightened measure of understanding from him. And right here is a rhema word um, in Ephesians 1 that talks about the eyes of our understanding. Now, some people, I mean, if you read some some out there X factor Christian groups they're on the internet they'll say well that's the third eye or you know we we have to be careful of that and I again I have no doubt that the enemy tries to emulate and pervert what God's gifts are to humans but because the enemy's perverting something doesn't mean that we should just shun the holy capacity of that thing that's God-given. Do you understand? It's this why, you know, when Paul fastened his eyes in the scripture, or when Elamus the sorcerer was blinded so that he couldn't see for a season, or even when Paul on uh, the road to Damascus was blinded by the great light, what do you suppose was going on there? Paul had a passion to persecute the church. He had pharisaical passions that just drove him. And God not only had to heal him of that, but just wipe it out. And then God gave him the apostolic calling for the Gentiles and for the mysteries of God. That, I think that's one of the things that God gave us early on. We were going to pursue the Father and intercessors, as intercessors and as saints. And we were going to be linked up with others who were like, quote, minded. And um, I don't really have a lot of patience for anything other than that. I don't curse the church. But it irritates me that the general church is just, God loves them. But these kinds of things we're talking about today are just off their radar. You know, my, my wife, I'm not going to betray too much of what she revealed, but she, uh, she was part of a, uh, of a religious ceremony amongst the general church not too long ago. 
And I'm, I'm really glad the Lord gave her the opportunity to go and be in the midst of that just for a moment, perhaps so that she could see, uh, not that she didn't already know this, um, how thankful she was that she wasn't in that anymore and that God had given us something much better. Um, but she reported that amongst this great convention of pastors and people that they, they focused on numbers and they highlighted people who were growing in numbers and they made that such a theme that all the pastors in the place were being basically programmed to know the most important thing is numbers and if I'm going to be noticed on the platform I've got to have numbers so I either put all the gimmicks together to build a lot of people in my church that'll also help me financially but then it might be a stepping stone into a bigger opportunity where I can do that same thing it's it's the it's the it's the bane of churches they also spent a great deal of time just i'm not mocking them but their their times of musical expression were focused on lots of electronic presentation and singing choruses that everybody had known for the last 50 years or maybe try to introduce the latest greatest thing that's out there and the theme of most of it was just surface a good thing but foundational and I, I know you have to have that I know that there has to be GIs there has to be general infantry but if that's all you are you're not going to be very good in a battle. I mean, you, history is replete with armies. You know, France, I love our French brothers and sisters, but prior to World War II, they had the largest army in Europe. And they had lots of tanks. That's where de Gaulle was trained. They had, they had lots of things, but they did not have the the higher tech weaponry that Germany had been developing. And with that, the German soldiers had been, had on the job training with uh, General Fran Generalissimo Francisco Franco in Spain in his civil war. And the Germans were gonna bypass the Maginot line, which France was relying on to stop the Huns and that's why there was such a blitzkrieg. They had a, the largest army, well equipped with yesterday's weaponry. Having a big army doesn't guarantee you're going to do diddly if somebody has technology and a will to win. You know, we just ripped through them. Remember Saddam Hussein? who squawked about the mother of all battles and this the great Satan if they come over here you know we're gonna bathe them in blood you know all that bravado and vitriol they had a big army when we came in with shock and awe and we smoked them they didn't know what hit them so 
just being in the Lord's army is is great. But if you're not if you're not pressing through in the Father for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, having your eyes of understanding being enlightened to know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. What are the saints? Knowing how to move in this in this hierarchy of power and knowing how to contend with these spiritual uh, structures that we're battling with. These were all set up by the Lord, who is the head over his ecclesia. All things are under his feet. I, I, I don't mean to sound pretentious or holier than now or smarter than anybody. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying, a real annoyance for me, is that when you talk about even the elementary things we've just talked about here, first reaction is going to be slack-jawed look for some of these folks, and they'll start saying, that's not scriptural, that's new age, that's not this, that's not that, you know, and, you know, you, you better come back into line, brother, or we're going to put you on report. That's ridiculous. So... Early on, the Lord said, I'm going to take you, and he said this to all of us, to my throne, and you're going to learn things, the pneumatikos, the deeper things of the Spirit. And as much as we know, we, it's still elemental. It doesn't matter to have a, a higher plateau if it's still a plateau. We need to keep growing in grace. But I just can't tolerate anything that is not a desire to move forward in the Lord. Again, you've got to make sure it aligns with the Scripture. There are a lot of people who just... I remember there was a certain ministry. You don't hear that much about them anymore, but they were always on the Internet. And any new wacky thing that came down the pike, they were promoting it. And they wanted to stay on the edge. The problem with being on the edge, if it's not God's edge, you can go over the edge... And then it doesn't look real pretty for you. Not the least of which you can, you can really be deceived and hurt a lot of people and damn yourself. So we need to gird up the loins of the Dianoia. And we need to ask God as this spirit of wisdom and revelation in this powerful year of breakthrough is being given by him that our spiritual perceptions would have a heightened measure of this quickening that we would be quick, quick to hear, that we would be of quick understanding as Daniel was. But this in the power of the resurrection, in the power of the cross, in the power of the blood of Christ, the power of the throne where we are at the right hand with our Lord. So I ask that the Father would grant this to us we're coming to pray today about this. And let's be in agreement for it. So for our congregation here in Dallas, you're probably going to hear this after the prayer time tonight. But just know, those of you who are listening beforehand, we're going to come to pray at 6 o'clock. We're going to seek the Lord. And at the end, we're going to go out into the back parking lot and do an activation. So get ready. It's a big day. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget First Saturday Prayer this weekend. Until uh, the next time we're together, may God bless you.
and goodbye.